begins on Ash Wednesday and goes through to Easter Sunday. And it comes from the old Germanic word meaning long. And what it referred to is the lengthening of the days. We were at the season of the year where the days are lengthening, the sunshine is up longer. And oftentimes with Lent, there's been a connection of giving up something, giving up something for the Lord. And we could probably all think of things we might give up and whatnot, chocolate, lattes, texting, TV, or, and now you know I'm meddling. But I want to challenge you this Lenten season to think about putting something on, about adding something. Probably you've never heard that angle for Lent before. But what I would like you to challenge you to put on is to put on love during this season. Because it's really what the season is all about, culminating in the resurrection of Christ, the ultimate love expression of our God. And last week, the Apostle Paul told us that even the most spectacular of the spiritual gifts and practices are, are completely worthless if they're done without love. So, newly equipped with knowledge about our own spiritual wiring, I want us to return to the most basic, the most essential value of the Scriptures, that the Scriptures lift up over 690 times, and that is love. Last week, I left us with the question, what would this church look like if we took our responsibility to love God and to love our neighbor as ourselves seriously? What would our church look like? What would our community look like? Let's pray. God, this morning as we yield our lives to your Lordship, help us to love you, help us to love each other. Make us who you want us to be as we hear your word to us this morning. In your name we pray, amen. You have an outline in your uh, worship flyer that is helpful for you to track along with us this morning. So approximately 40 years ago, the Beatles said, all we need is love, all we need is level. And it was at the top of the charts for about four weeks, which was a long time in that day for one to be uh, the number one song. But I want to alert you to the fact that some 1,900 years before that, John, Mark, Matthew, and Peter, not a musical group, they were the disciples who declared the same thing, quoting their Lord, Jesus Christ. Nothing is more important than love. Love is the greatest commandment, according to what Jesus said in response to a question, what is the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, the world will know that each one of us who have received Christ into our life, that we are his disciples if we love. Love sums it up. In fact, John said in the, God, in the epistle of 1 John, God is love. It is the very essence of who our God is. And last week we saw that it doesn't really matter uh, what we know. It doesn't matter what we say. It doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter what we give. It doesn't even matter what we believe. If we do so without love, it is worthless. It is a noisy gong, a clanging cymbal. So I want to ask you a question this morning. <coughs> is, 
excuse me, is love a gift of the Holy Spirit? Is love a gift of the Holy Spirit? How many would raise your hands? Okay. You fell right into my trap. Um, <clears throat> how many would raise your hands by saying, no, no, as a matter of fact, uh, love is not one of the gifts of the Spirit? Okay. Some of you aren't sure what to do now. <clears throat> The reality is that it is not a spiritual gift, okay? If you remember when we went through the spiritual gifts, love wasn't listed there as one of the gifts. It comes under something we call the fruit of the Spirit. Jesus gives us a command that we, would Jesus ever give us a command that we could not obey? Last week, love one another. Why? So that the world might know that we are his followers, So would he give us a command that we can't obey? No. In fact, he gives us the Holy Spirit to help us to obey his teachings, his guidelines. Love is not a gift. It is a fruit. If you were to keep your finger in 1 Corinthians 13, if you're there following along with us, and turn over a few books to the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, we see there, and if you're having trouble finding Galatians, it's, uh, you go through the, the four Gospels, the book of Acts, then the book of Romans, and then First and Second Corinthians, and then you've got uh, Gentiles eat pork chops, or General Electric is politically correct, if that helps you remember that it's Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Then there's the five T's, First and Second Thessalonians, First and Second Timothy, and Titus. You've got half the New Testament memorized. Amazing. But in verses 22 and 23 of Galatians 5, you see the word fruit? In the Greek, that word is singular, not plural. It's not fruits of the Holy Spirit, but fruit. You see, it's not a fruit salad. It is the fruit that God gives to us by his Holy Spirit, and we call them the fruit of the Spirit. You can't walk through a spiritual farmer's market and say, okay, today I think I'll have one love, two joys, a dozen of gentleness, but you know, I really don't, none of the patient stuff, please, you know, I really don't want that one. See, it doesn't work that way. The fruit of the Spirit is not, uh, the fruit of the Spirit is, not are. What's the difference between a gift and a fruit would be the next question. A gift is something that you may or may not have, that may or may not have been given to you. Everyone has at least one of them. And it's given on the desire of the Holy Spirit. The fruit, on the other hand, is something that we all have through God's image that we are created in, each and every one of us. And it is enlivened by the Holy Spirit. They're character qualities. They are the essence of how we respond and and Christ-like ways to our lives and to the people in our lives. And if you are an apple tree, what kind of fruit do you have? Okay. And if you're a banana, actually I guess it's a plant, not technically a tree. If you're a banana plant, what kind of fruit do you have? And if you're a grapevine, what kind of fruit do you have? And if you don't have, then something is wrong. The plant, the tree is sick is anemic in some way. It's in need of help. And Jesus said, if there's no fruit, you know live. And the trees were cut down and burned in the fire, and the dead branches along with it. 
But in John chapter 15, Jesus goes on to point out that he may even, by the Spirit, trim back the fruit-bearing ones. Why? So that the fruit will mature, so it will grow better and be even more luscious. And so there's a pruning process that may go on. So what is all this to say? If you claim to belong to Jesus and to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, to live for Jesus, then His Holy Spirit lives in you. You are the temple of God by His Spirit and dwelling in you. And the Spirit produces the fruit of the Spirit in you and grows them and matures them. Now, some of the character qualities take more work and more growth, longer time to germinate. Others go more quickly. And that differs on how the Holy Spirit is working in each one of your lives. If no fruit is evident, then something is wrong in your relationship with God. Something needs to grow or be strengthened or reconnected in your relationship with God. And if you belong to Jesus, the the fruit should be in evidence in your life. Not completely and not perfectly. That doesn't happen until heaven's gates. But Holy Spirit empowered to grow and to mature and to become more and more apparent in how you live. There's always going to be one or more of the fruit that lags behind. For me, the one, patience. You know, I'm such a dreadfully patient person, you know. I don't get why people think I'm in a hurry. And, uh, and so I, I have to have a lot of growth there in the Holy Spirit and His relationship with me to practice my patience more effectively in ways that don't harm people but instead help people. And that's really the vision of our church, community strengthening community. It's the idea of maturing. It's the idea of growth. And it's the idea of allowing these fruit to multiply in our life. You... Uh, can't say, Pastor Bill, you know, I just don't do this gentleness thing. I, I really don't do that. Um, uh, it, it isn't me. Or self-control. Now, that one, you know, is just not my thing. Uh, I'll, I'll work on the other ones, but that's not where I'm at. Folks, it's a whole package. It is a fruit that contain these different parts, just like rind seeds, pulp, juice, and so on. They contain love, peace, joy, patience, self-control, and on. It's a whole package because the Holy Spirit wants to do His thing in each and every Christian that is seeking to follow Jesus Christ. Now you can turn back to 1 Corinthians 13, and I want to examine some of the love qualities that Paul goes through in chapter 13. And I'm going to divide them into four categories. And as we're going through, I want to be ready to have you circle the love quality that maybe God is touching your life with, where you need to grow and to stretch more in how it is that you love. You might be kind of feeling, oh, ouch, oh, Holy Spirit, you know, you're kind of touching on something that's sensitive in my life. And give that over to the Holy Spirit. If this one word, this one thing, if you remember we talked about last week, was to define the love in my life. How loving am I? If this was the word that defined love in my life, how loving am I? And I want you to ask that question as we go through each one of these qualities. 
Another way of looking at it for us men, <clears throat> we can probably relate to this uh, back in the old days. We have them nowadays too, but it's a lot different, a lot more sophisticated. But we had something on our dashboard uh, panel that would uh, light up or flash at us every so often. They were called idiot lights, excuse the term, but that's what they were called. Idiot lights. In other words, stop the car, you idiot. You know, you're going to burn up the engine or something. And uh, uh, so I want you to maybe use that as a picture for you. Is the light on your panel, is it flashing that says that God needs uh, to pay some attention here to my life and to help me with this area and to help grow in this area? So the first of the four categories is love is compassionate. And you can check your outlines there. We're on number two now. Uh, but love is compassionate. Why don't you say that with me? Love Under the category heading, there are two qualities I would list under this, love is compassionate. The first one is that love is patient. The second one is that love is kind. These are both positive words. Uh, But let me say that these are not real good translations of the Greek because the actual Greek for these two words is a verb. But we don't really use it as a verb. I can't say I, I kind blue. No, it's an adjective in how we use it in English. But in Greek, it would be, uh, I, I'm patient with and uh, with whoever the person is that's in our life. So, what does that tell us about love? If they are verbs, what's that tell us about love? It tells us that it's an action. It tells us that it's an action word, that these are something that are be to live out uh, and so on, not just qualities that hang like medals on our chest or something like that, but are rather uh, things that are action. Uh, One of my uh, favorite movies that I enjoyed watching a number of years ago uh, was the movie Top Gun. I don't know if you remember that or if you've seen that movie, but there's a great scene in this fun little movie, uh, which we're going to see now. A great scene, a fun movie, lousy singing, and it's horrible theology. It's horrible theology. Because you see, Christ's love is not a feeling. It's an action. It's about what to do. And in fact, it's often about what you do in spite of how you may feel. There's times when I don't feel like being nice to my wife, but you know something? I want the Holy Spirit's help to be nice to her at all times. So, the first characteristic is love is patient. And patience is choosing to live as if you really believe that God is in control. Patience is choosing to live as if you really believe that God is in control of your life. He's in control of your relationships. He's in control of your time, your timetable, your agenda, your day timer. He's in control of your circumstances and situations. For example, a couple of years ago, I am in Chicago O'Hare Airport. Not bad for kind of coming and going, but I had the opportunity to spend the night there because they were snowed in. 
And so you got to spend the night in their lobby, uh, very nice and cozy and intimate with 5,000 other people. And, uh, you, and you could sleep on a cot if there were enough, because there were only about 2,000 of those critters, so then you slept on the floor. And in that situation, patience chooses to put up with the frustrating habits, with the inconsiderations of one another. It's compassionate love, it's understanding of people who may irritate us, may get in our way, may pull the cot out of under us. Um, And as I'm sharing this, no elbowing, only the Holy Spirit's allowed to elbow you and say, pay attention here, okay? Uh, But when somebody inconveniences us, when things don't go the way we had hoped, love is patient. So, if patience was the one word that defined love in my life, how am I doing? Is there a light flashing on the dashboard of my life? How am I doing with patience? The second characteristic is love is kind. Compassionate love is kind. And kindness is a partner to patience. If patience is the inward state of your heart, kindness is the choice to serve those who irritate you, who delay you, who inconvenience you, to be of service to them. Especially when you have nothing to gain from doing it. Sometimes we're willing to, okay, I'll do that because I get a good payoff. I'm nice to my wife because I want a payoff. Uh Well, no, that's not what this is. This is even if you uh, have nothing to gain from it, that they give you nothing in return. You get that? Do you hear that? What is it called when we get that from God who gives us the stuff that we don't deserve, but he gives it to us anyway? Blessings? Grace. Okay. Yeah. Grace, did you come up with that? No, no. Grace is over here. Grace abounds all over. Yeah. It's grace. Kindness is human grace. The human expression of God's grace, allowing God's grace to flow through us. There's a parable that Jesus told of a kindness done by this man, this foreigner, in fact. In Luke chapter 10, anybody remember the story? They were going from Jericho to Jerusalem. Not Jamaica. Anybody remember the story? Good Samaritan, yes. The Good Samaritan was a story, a parable of of grace. It was a parable of kindness. It was a parable of thoughtfulness, of going out of one's way in order to help another. It was the Good Samaritan who stopped, who cared for, who paid for, and even offered to pick up the tab if there was more expenses than there was money. Not because he knew the guy wasn't a friend of his or anything. Not because he would get something in return from the guy, because obviously he was beaten and robbed, so he had nothing to offer. Uh, Not because he'd ever see him again, or he got his business card and would put an article in the Jerusalem Gazette or something. No recognition. It was just pure kindness. It was pure grace. When my son was young, he was with me at an event and so on, where there were a group of pastors and so on, a conference, And uh, I was kind of proud of my son and uh, would like to kind of show him off and wanted him to greet people. And we had taught him appropriate manners and whatnot. And uh, uh, he was acting distracted and he was kind of pulling away from me as uh, we were talking with somebody. And this irked me a little bit. And 
I thought, you know, I taught him better than that. He knew how to respond. He knew how to look a person in the eye, to greet them, to shake their hand firmly, and so on. And on this one occasion, I was so glad that I looked around before I barked, because unfortunately, I told you about patience, sometimes uh, I would bark before I would look around and see what the situation was, but there was a feeble elderly gentleman coming along in a walker, making his way very slowly to the restroom, but he couldn't figure out how to get the door open. It was uh, very stiff and uh, whatnot, and my son let go of my hand, walked over and opened the door for this gentleman, and I thought, oh, Wow. Oh, wow. Time for Dad to learn some lessons here. Teach me, my son. It was kindness. You see, love is patient. Love is kind. Category number two, love is content. Love is content. Just think of that phrase for a moment. For a lot of us, oh, contentment. Uh, I'm not, I don't live a very contented life. Contentment isn't in my vocabulary very often. You see, love is compassionate. Love is content. And I'm going to partner the next two qualities that Paul lists there in 1 Corinthians 13. Love does not envy and love does not boast. These are two negatives. Envy is craving something that somebody else has. That's envy. Craving something that somebody else has. Okay? Um, boasting is bragging about it when you get it. You know, if you were to get that something, well, it's kind of parking your car in the driveway instead of in the garage and so on because I've got it now, just keeping up with my neighbors. Paul told us the secret. He said in Philippians chapter 4, be content no matter what your circumstances, no matter what the situation, be content. And then he says, Because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. I can do all things through Christ. Have you discovered that power? That freedom that comes from not coveting what your neighbor has? And not resenting them because they have it? To be able to enjoy them having it? This thing that maybe you've wanted Envy has its roots in our insecurities. We think that unless we have the right stuff, we aren't the somebody we long to be. We want others to think that we are that somebody. But without these things, these wishes, these experiences, I don't come off that way. Envy uh, words always start with either uh, more or they end in er. So I want more brilliance. I'd like to be more brilliant, more beautiful or handsome. Or I'd like to be more successful or more powerful. Or I would like to be brighter. I would like to be richer, smarter, clearer, cooler. Those are the words of envy. Someone has said that you can't be a smart cookie with a crummy attitude. Certain amount of truth to that. Certain amount of truth. When we say, and really mean it, good for them, that's love expressed in contentment. And when we look resentfully at them and say, why not me, that's envy. And it can become a poison, a toxin in your personality. Boasting is the second word, and basically, um, it's, uh, boasting comes from successful insecurity, 
no loving contentment here. A secure person would be able to express it much differently. But in our insecurity, we have to brag and boast. And the boasting is more to fluff up who we are, how we appear. It celebrates somebody, uh, love celebrates somebody else's blessings. Boasting celebrates our own blessings. And does contentment define your life? Or are the idiot lights on your panel of envy and boasting flashing on the dashboard? Love is compassionate. Love is content. Category number three. Love is courteous. Love is courteous. Doesn't sound like a religious word, but think about it for a moment. Courtesy is consideration for others, right? It's putting others first. It's caring for others' needs. It's serving others before you serve yourself. It's getting in the church potluck line last, not first. It's making them comfortable. It's treating them hospitably. It's deferring to others. I think the next three in Paul's list fall into this category of courtesy. The first one is pride, which means to be puffed up. It means to be swell-headed, we sometimes use that term, or arrogant. You see, pride is opposite of envy. Envy wants what somebody else has. Pride knows that he already has it, that he's already got it, and he's darn proud of it. She knows that she's better than anyone else. Is this your idiot light blinking on the dashboard of your life? The next one is that love is rude. These people treat other people like dirt, like scum, like somehow they aren't entitled the way that you are. But love is not like that. Love is courteous. Did that start a light flashing on your dashboard? The TNIV translates rude as dishonor, or another translation has it as crass. Love isn't vulgar. It isn't inappropriate. Love is courteous. And the third one that I would clump in there is that love is not self-seeking. Self-seeking. Pretty self-descriptive, isn't it? Courteous love is like Christ. It lifts others up. It builds them up. It recognizes them. It speaks well of others. It gives up its advantage. It's not give me, give me, give me, mine, mine, mine. It's may I, can I, will I be of assistance or help or service. So love is compassionate. Love is content. Love is courteous. Category number four. Love is to be continued. We'll come back next week to that. It's the only way I can keep you coming. What would it be like if we really trusted God with our lives? What would it be like if you circled one of those words and felt the Holy Spirit helping you this week to be more patient or more kind? Or not to be such a braggart and not to be so needy that it's all about you first. What would it be 
compassion love, commitment love, courtesy love. Step one is admitting your weakness in that area and allowing the Holy Spirit to take charge and to move in your life. Step two is to talk with God, to be in prayer, to have conversation. Have Him point out in your life when, whoops, I just blew it. And be able to go and ask that person for their forgiveness. And step four is to exercise love. Exercise is important. I exercise every now and then. I know you can't tell it. Probably if I did it more regular, you'd be able to tell it. But is it that way with our fruit of the Spirit? Do we not exercise them often enough? So they're kind of flabby and out of shape and don't show up very often? Let's pray.